This is episode 57 with Erin Cullicut from Kitchener, Ontario, and today we're talking about her story of being a single mother by choice from Canada. I dated a little bit, um, but I it, it just wasn't for me. I just didn't have that desire to have the relationship. I wanted the child. I didn't want the relationship or, or anything else that went along with it. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun so you can learn, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Citrus Love. If you missed last week's episode, I spoke with Pioneer Mama, who started the movement over 41 years ago of being a single mother by choice. Today, I'm going to talk with one of her members, a single mother by choice from Canada, to go a little deeper into how exactly does it work. She's going to talk about how she started the Facebook group to help single mothers by choice in Canada specifically, and why she chose this route. Details that you might not have heard in last week's episode, which I talk more broadly about being a single mother by choice. Erin is going to share how she did it. If you listen towards the end, we're going to talk about Diblings. If you have no clue what that is, well, I didn't either. So we're talking about donor siblings, donors, uh, the financial investment, her recommendations. So you should have a clear idea if this is maybe a path for you, for someone you know, or just basically learn about how other people are doing it. If you enjoyed this, please leave a review for the podcast wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, Audible. With that, let's listen in on this week's conversation. Welcome, Erin, to the Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you for being here today to talk about motherhood. Thanks for having me. We'll be talking about being a single mother by choice. I've seen words like it's becoming a trend, it's getting more common, more and more women are choosing this path. So first I want to start with your story and then we'll get into more specifics about in Canada and how it is. And so to get so that our listeners, the mother or the mother to be listening knows who you are exactly and what was your journey to becoming a mother. Um, so can you start by sharing what was happening before you even started thinking about this option, being a single mother by choice? Uh, how was your life? How was your work life? Like, how did that look, your social life? How was that? Paint us a, a quick picture of it. 
Well, I would say I've always wanted to be a mom. Like that was, you know, that was something I'd always wanted. I always worked with kids and whatnot. Um, I worked as a nanny for 10 years um, for three different families. Um, Where was this? In, uh, in my hometown in Kitchener, um, okay. I'm from Kitchener, Ontario. And, um, so just taking care of kids and always being around kids is something I've always done. I have a degree in child studies from King's College Western University. Um, and then I went to Teachers College. So, uh, in, while I was waiting to, uh, become a teacher with my school board, I became a nanny and now I am a teacher. Um, I work at an elementary school. I teach grade one, probably about, I don't know, I'd say eight years ago, 10 years ago. Like, as I said, I always wanted to be a mom and I, I always kind of used to joke, like if I, if I wasn't married by 30, I was going to the sperm bank. Um, and that was, you know, kind of back before we actually knew that, you know, I didn't know people actually did that. Probably my kind of mid to late twenties. I don't even remember exactly how, but I, I heard the name or found out that women do do that. They do use donors to have children and kind of sparked my interest. And I found a forum online called single mothers by choice.org. And it's a forum of women from all over the world who are single mothers, are in the thinking stages, the planning, they're pregnant. So just getting lots of information from them on, you know, what life is like as a single mother by choice. Um, you know, hearing their stories kind of, for me, made me just decide, okay, you know, this is a definite, this is what's going to happen. How old were you at that time? Probably late 20s almost 30. So you were yeah. getting close to your deadline. I was getting close to that 30. <laughs> yeah, definitely getting close to that. Um, it just wasn't the right time for me. I was living at home with my parents still. Um, I didn't have a stable guaranteed income contract permanent job. So I was waiting for that. And not too, too long after. So probably maybe around 28 or so, I did get hired onto the school board as a supply teacher. So I spent five years as a supply teacher with my school board. And finally, I was hired into a contract. So meaning that I got permanent, which meant I was stable and had benefits. And, and that's kind of then when it all started. And I started really thinking seriously. My mom passed away a few years ago, so about five years ago now. Um, so that, you know, kind of timeline wise really made me want to pursue it. And, you know, I, I didn't want to be alone. <laughs> um, I dated a little bit, um, but I, it, it just wasn't for me. I just didn't have that desire to have the relationship. I wanted the child. I didn't want the relationship for, or anything else that went along with it. I'm curious to know why. I don't know. It just, it just didn't interest me, I guess. Um, I'm happy. Maybe I'm a little too independent, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm happy with it, with being on my own and making those decisions myself. Um, my, like my parents were married forever. Um, I have lots of friends whose parents were divorced and stuff and, and that might've influenced them a little bit, um, in choosing their path to single motherhood. 
it didn't really influence me. Um, I kind of just decided I wanted a child and, and that's how it was going to be. So a couple of years after my mom died and I had permanent job, I talked to my dad about the process. So he knew and where I wanted to go with my life and, and how it could affect him. He definitely wasn't thrilled. <laughs> um, I think he was kind of still holding on to that traditional notion that I would get married and have kids, but he came around pretty quickly. I continued living with him. I still live with him now. So I, I you know, I kind of needed his blessing a little bit. So while he wasn't thrilled initially, he's loving it now. How did you get pregnant? I used a sperm bank. I used, uh, my sperm bank I used was Zytex um, through creating fam Canadian families. My story is actually pretty short <laughs> uh, with regards to that. I finally made an appointment. I was like early January, I think it was like January 2nd or two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now. Yeah, it's kind of when my actual journey started. I saw my doctor. I got a referral to the fertility clinic. Um, I met with the clinic like literally the next week. So everything was happening a little faster than I expected. Um, typically, you know, you get your referral and they're like, okay, it's a couple months wait. Um, that was not the case for me. So I saw my clinic in January and I was started doing um, initial testing in February and had my appointment again with the doctor in March to go over my results. Um, my plan had been to just do the testing, see where I was at fertility wise, but my plan had still been to wait another year or two, just to wait a bit longer, whether it was a year, preferably a year. So when I met with the doctor and we went over my results, uh, my results weren't very good. I would have been 35 and I had low ovarian reserve. So I had low egg counts. Um, and, and just like, just my fertility results in general weren't great. I, I asked him, I'm like, well, what about waiting six months even? And he's just like, no. So I decided to just go for it. Um, so everything was quite a lot faster than I expected. It was about that time that I connected with my Facebook group. So they were very supportive and I, chose a donor in March and I had my first IUI in April and it was not medicated. Um, initially it was supposed to be, but we changed our minds and went unmedicated. So just natural and oddly, strangely, and lucky for me, I got pregnant on the first try. Hmm. So I'm somewhat of a bit of a unicorn in that respect because it, it often will take a lot longer uh, for many women, but I got lucky and yeah for the sperm donors, how did you choose? Were you able to know some of the information in advance? Yes. Shopping for a sperm donor is literally like online shopping and you're selecting categories. So I had decided um, that I wanted to look for a donor who had dark hair and blue or green eyes because everyone in my family has dark hair and light colored eyes. I just wanted the child, my child to physically try and fit in with us. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really interested in a donor with blonde hair because I felt that, you know, at a family gathering, um, everyone's dark haired and my child is blonde. 
Mm -hmm. Um, which of course can happen, you know, even like regardless, you know, you could have a redheaded child and have no redheaded genes in uh, any of the family, but that was just, it was just an aim. It was an aim that my child kind of fit in a little bit more physically and character, like with looks. That was somewhat of the, the first basis for me, like the first consideration. Uh, But after that, it was strictly medical. So I was looking for a donor who didn't have a lot of kind of red flags for medical. My mom had MS, so I eliminated any donors that had a connection to multiple sclerosis. That is a bit of a genetic trait. Um, I eliminated uh, anyone who had um, close family members, mothers or sisters who died of cancer at an early age. Same with heart disease. I didn't consider allergies at all, but that is one thing that you can look at, Mm -hmm. Um, not choosing a donor who has allergies. But yeah, so you just kind of pick those specific characteristics that you're looking for. There's a description of the donor and the donor wrote a letter. um, So I was able to read that and just try and get a little bit of a sense of who they were and what they were all about, which actually helped me eliminate some as well. And my donor is, as I said, through a sperm bank, and it's from the U.S. So in the U.S., the donors are paid to donate. So yeah, those are kind of the the basics that I looked for, physical features, and then just general good health was was most important to me. Wow. You can get really specific with that. You can. A lot of Caucasian donors, but African-American or other nationalities are definitely more limited in the U.S., and in Canada. So donors in the U.S. are a little bit different from donors in Canada um, because Canadian donors have to be altruistic. So they do not get paid. It's, it's a non-monetary donation. So um, more commonly, women will get donors from the U.S. through, through Zytex or through another uh, sperm donor bank. It's just more common because there's more selection but I do have quite a few friends who went through Canadian clinic as well. Did you face any challenges regarding being a single mother by choice in Canada, whether it's filling out papers, any misconceptions you think people have? I have probably had a pretty easy time of it, I guess. All of my friends and family were very supportive. And if they had anything negative or if they had, you know, if they weren't in favor, um, I didn't hear of it, okay. um, which, which isn't the case for some women. Um, some women do face, you know, family members who are disapproving of their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, religious reasons can often come up. For me, when it came time to filling out paperwork, I was expecting to just leave the father blank. That's a question that comes up um, in my groups a lot is, what do you do when filling out the birth certificate or or applying for daycare. Um, I was expecting to leave the birth certificate blank, but when I came to register my son, it had, I guess, just recently changed. So one of the questions it now asks is how many parents are there? So I selected one parent, and as a result, it only has my name on there. There's no blank space for father. It didn't even ask me about a father. Um, so that was pretty recent as of early 2019, which was, it was a nice surprise. 
um, that I didn't have to kind of go through all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am expecting at some point to get audited t- for tax reasons. Um, and then in that case, I have to somehow prove that I am a single parent and there is no other contributing parent, um, which so that isn't, that's not uncommon. Quite a few moms uh, in my groups have had to do that. And they typically will get a letter from their daycare or doctor saying, you know, to the best of my knowledge, so-and-so is the single mother. I think a general misconception that a lot of people think of when they hear that I've used a sperm donor or others have used sperm donors, then they, they kind of interpret that as, oh, someone had a one night stand and got knocked up and they don't remember who it was. So I think some people are surprised when they find that, yeah, women do this on purpose and, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's definitely a choice. So I found you because you're one of the admins for this Facebook group, Single Mothers by Choice Canada. Did you create the group? Yes, we have. Um, pretty recently, we just kind of hit over a thousand members, which is slightly crazy. When I found out about Single Mothers by Choice um, years ago, I was on a web forum and then I randomly decided to start looking up um, Facebook groups. So I found a Facebook group that was a worldwide group and I joined it and I you know, was asking questions and through my questions, I would say, so what's the first step? And then I would always put that I live in Canada because our process is different from the US. And I was getting frustrated because even though I would say, hey, just Canadian people, can you answer my question? I would get, you know, very well-meaning answers from people who are in the States, but it just didn't apply because our process is different. Um, So I just decided to create a group. (laughs) We called it Single Mothers by Choice Canada. So I was, I've been the admin for that group since, um, I want to say it was maybe February 2018 that we started, that uh, it started. And we have over a thousand members. We have women who are in all different stages. Uh, We have some mothers who are much older, um, whose children are teenagers or young adults. So they're able to give a different perspective than younger mothers, um, well, not necessarily younger mothers, but mothers whose children are younger. And um, we have women who are in the thinking process, um, are looking for information. Uh, We have moms who are pregnant. You know, we have moms who have one child, two children, three children. So just really a mix. The only criteria basically is that you live in Canada and you are either a single mother by choice or are thinking about becoming one. And we're, we're a pretty low key drama free group. And it's, it's been a really great place to connect with other moms um, and other women, not just about motherhood, but just about life in general, Um, ask questions, find solutions to problems. I've met uh, through it, some of my very, very good friends, um, one of which has become my son's godmother. Yeah. So through just meeting lots of people, it's, it's, it's a really beneficial group to be able to get firsthand experience. For single mothers by choice in Canada, how many are now choosing to go this path? I would say just based on my experience and even just my, where I live, 
and the amount of, of moms that are single mothers by choice in my area that I know of, it's increasing in frequency that women are choosing to go this route for various reasons. Yeah. From your specific group, what seems to be, let's say, the top three reasons why a woman would choose to become a single mother by choice? Um, I would say the top reason is usually that um, they have not found a long-term relationship or partner that they would like to have a child with. And they are, they themselves are getting older. They're kind of reaching, you know, the late thirties or even early forties route. And and they would like to still have a child. Um, So they've decided to stop looking for now or continue looking and um, go the single mother by choice route. I think that is probably the most popular just based on what I hear, another reason would be marriage breakdown. Women who have been married or have been in long-term relationships and have it hasn't worked out. They've gotten divorced or they've broken up sometimes because the man just decides that he no longer wants to have a child or never wanted to have a child. Um, so I think that would be the second reason. And then the third is probably my reason. Um, women who, who simply either don't want it at this time in their life, they don't want the relationship or they don't want it at all. One thing I've read about is the aspect of the importance of having a father figure in the child's life. It can be a grandparent, it can be a a male friend of yours, it can be like neighbors, anything like that. What do you think about this? And if this is important for you, how are you providing that part to your, to your son? That, that in itself, having a boy brings up some challenges down the road that I'm not necessarily equipped to deal with or have the knowledge to deal with. I mean, I'm, I'm a great Googler. I can Google anything. (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes you're you're right you do need to have or you do want to have a male in your child's life um specifically if you have a boy who they would feel comfortable going to and asking questions um so for my son um I have my dad um and my brother and then um I also have uh I'm quite close with some of my family cousins and whatnot so I don't have a lot of male friends, um, but I do have a lot of single mom by choice friends. I'm sure we'll navigate that territory together a little bit um, as as our boys get older. Um, Two of my friends, well, actually quite a few, several of my friends have boys that are a month older or just a couple months younger than mine. And your son is 21 21 months at at the moment. Yeah. Yeah that question of, well, why, what are you going to do? Your every child needs a father. Lots of children have fathers or um, biological fathers, genetics who aren't necessarily in their lives or, or are not interested in being a part, unfortunately. Um, so when I look at that and, and I kind of think about my own desires for my child and, um, and what I know of the world ensuring that he has a father figure is not something that I th- I personally think is that important as long as there is people that he trusts 
and is comfortable asking questions. So, you know, I, I have my dad and I have my brother. They would mm-hmm. be the closest males um, in his life. And, I'm sh- and I know that will ha- come in handy in a couple of years. I've read like even if they have a male sports coach or a male teacher they connect with, exactly. like things like that, that can help. Exactly. And, and just seeing males in those roles too. Like um, right now, my son is mostly around females. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of the way it worked out. But at daycare, one of his daycare teachers in the top of the room is a male. One of his teachers when he was in the infant room was a male. I love that because he is, um, he's not completely surrounded all the time by females. So he is seeing males, especially males in different roles in child caring, child care roles, as opposed to, you know, in kind of the stereotypical male jobs like construction or fire mm-hmm. Um, police, that type of thing. I do hope to have at least one more. Reality is as a single mother, again, I live with my dad right now. um, So I am lucky in that respect. I have a lot of support Mm -hmm. that a lot of moms definitely don't necessarily get. Um, So I am very lucky. I mean, right now he's off playing with grandpa, but moving forwards, just financially having more than one is expensive and daycare. uh, And if I didn't have that support and I have a great job, I love my job and I'm well paid. um, But yeah, having kids is expensive. So having more than one in daycare on a single income plus affording all the necessities in life. Yeah, it's tough. Long story short, definitely would like another one. Um, I hope to still trying to figure out um, the logistics at this point of, um, you know, ideally I would like to, you know, move out and be on my own in my my own, um, you know, purchase a house. So moving to a cheaper area is a thought, but you lose some of that family support, um, especially with, you know, COVID times. Um, Mm -hmm. If my child needed to be picked up from daycare really fast, I can't necessarily do that immediately. So having family support is, is kind of essential when you're a single parent, um, or ha- not even necessarily family support, but support in general. There are many women though, who do not have family support or they don't have the support of a lot of friends and they make it work and they are amazing. I don't know how they do it. They, you know, they have, they may have to pay more for childcare or whatever, but they, they make it work. If you were thinking of having another child, is there a possibility that you could get it from that same sperm donor? Because I I know some of them, they, how do you say it? They sell a lot of their samples. So at least some of those genes would be similar to what you had last time. Is that a possibility for someone to think about as well? It's definitely um, something to think about and actually sooner rather than later. So it's one of my recommendations that I say, you know, once you have picked your donor, you become pregnant. If you think that you want to have more children, um, it, it can be a very good idea to buy more samples and store them because because donors sell out. So in my situation, I have, I purchased three uh, samples, three vials. Um, I used one, so I have two in storage. Mm. Um, My donor is no longer part of the program. 
participating anymore, contributing anymore. Sometimes a clinic can reach out and ask if the donor would be willing to uh, donate again for a sibling. Um, in I've already looked into that and in my case, it's not possible. So I have two shots with the same donor to have another one. And if that doesn't work, then I would look into choosing a different donor. Definitely a consideration to think of early on um, because ideally most people do want to have uh, siblings with the same donor, um, you know, makes things a little, a little easier. But in mm -hmm. the end, I have friends who, you know, one of my friends specifically chose different donors for each of her children. How much do you have to invest financially in Canada to go through that whole process of um, if you choose to go through a sperm bank and up to getting pregnant? Um, I would not say I have an actual figure because it really varies from one woman to the next. Uh, my journey was very short and quite easy, actually, um, in the end. But I do have friends who have um, done multiple rounds of IVF who, you know, have over 10, 15 attempts to have, you know, mm. between one to two children. So it's definitely um, for some easier, like myself, for some a lot more expensive. And it also depends on your province. So in Ontario, a lot of it is covered under OHIP, under our medical coverage, the Ontario Health Insurance Program. Um, and with other provinces, uh, a lot, it isn't covered. Mm. So in Ontario, um, my experience was you go meet with your doctor um, and then you do some diagnostic testing. So you do ultrasounds, um, some blood tests, uh, and they look, all, they look at all that. And then when it comes time for your cycle round and you are um, preparing to inseminate, then you do monitoring up until then. So you're having blood and ultrasound mm -hmm. um, to check your, your eggs and your follicles and, and see when you are ready to have the insemination or the IUI. Um, and that is all covered under OHIP. That is not covered in other provinces. Okay. So um, I am very lucky to live in Ontario. So I paid for sperm. I paid for storage. Um, and the sperm was anywhere, I think, honestly, I think now it's probably around a thousand dollars a vial, depending on the sperm bank you use. Um, it was, it was definitely cheaper by several hundred dollars a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's been COVID, but things have gone up in price. <laughs> yes, um, I've noticed. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's about a thousand dollars a vial and then you pay Usually you'll pay um, a sperm wash. Mine was about 500 at the clinic where they, I don't know exactly what they do. They wash the sperm. So they kind of get the, the good swimmers separated mm -hmm. from the not as good swimmers, just so you have higher quality. And um, you typically pay an administration fee. But all in all, Ontario is definitely uh, cheaper than other provinces. And then if you have health coverage, like through your employer, um, a lot of times medications will be covered. If you need to have a medicated cycle or if you are doing IVF, so in vitro fertilization, the Ontario government 
covers one round. So if women who they've done a couple rounds of IUI and it hasn't worked, um, then they would move on a lot of times to IVF. Um, I have had quite a few friends who've done it, but between medications and then the procedures, it's, it's a lot of me. I mean, I set money aside, but being that I was planning to wait about another year and I did not wait at all, mm-hmm. um, that meant that, you know, I, I did use my line of credit, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people have to do. And then others are able to kind of pay as they go type things. So they'll save up money for a couple attempts. And then when that money's gone, then they have to save up again. What's the most common way in your group that mother, that these women are getting or choosing to get pregnant? Definitely sperm donors through a sperm bank would be the most popular. Um, Using a known donor, which is someone that you know, either you may have known them for a long time or there are websites out there where you can connect um, with men who are willing to be donors. That is a little less common. Um, It's definitely, if you're choosing to use a known donor, it is something that you really need to research and look into because the legalities surrounding it are not great. I mean, for instance, use a known donor and in five years they decide they want to have a, a part in the child's life, um, they could actually sue for custody and, and be granted custody. Using a sperm donor, that is not a possibility at all. Um, that's why I chose that route. And there are many, many moms out there who have used known donors and it's been a lovely experience for them because, you know, they have more information. They know what the donor is like. They know more about what his family is. And they are able to have a relationship with that donor if they choose to. And that donor is able to have a relationship with their child, um, often through like an uncle um, or a family friend type format is from what I hear. So that's really nice. There's definitely benefits and negatives to both. And then adoption. Adoption is not one that we really hear a lot of. Um, It definitely exists. It definitely happens. It's not common at all. And I think the the main reason for that is that none of this is an easy process, but Mm -hmm. adoption is definitely a longer process, um, a harder process. And, um, you know, a lot of times women do want babies. I considered adoption. I always thought I would go with adoption. But as I looked into it um, and realized really how hard it is, it definitely changed my mind. I didn't feel that as a single mother uh, that I might be able to um, adequately have the skill set to adopt. The reason being that a lot of times children who are eligible for adoption, they have a history um, that is difficult. Um, and I didn't feel that as a single parent, a working single mom as well, that I would be able to adequately take care of them in the way that I would want to, or in the way that they would deserve. And any anxiety or fears that you have going forward as your, your son gets older? Definitely. (laughs) What are some of those thoughts you've had or worries? Definitely. Um, I, 
I don't, cons I mean, I definitely have a lot of anxiety about everything, um, but uh, I'm I try and keep it in check a little bit, um, kind of just work on taking things one day at a time. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we're in, I'm in the easy stage. Um, you know, he loves everyone. He loves everything <laughs> when he's being, you know, a typical toddler and, and he's tired or he's hungry or, but moving forwards as he gets older, as he starts asking those questions, um, I know for me and for probably a lot of, uh, my friends and a lot of women who, um, have chosen to go this route, we really try to normalize it from the get-go so once he's a little bit older probably you know two and a half to three I'll start talking to him a little bit more about you no know, like just telling him you have a donor you know if he says well where's my dad or I don't have a dad I'll say no you're a mommy and a you're a mommy and a Sawyer family and we and you have a donor and so just trying my best to normalize it um, I have some picture books that will help and we'll read them as he gets older. Um, and he also sees because I'm quite active in my single mother by choice community that there are other families just like mine. So that's really mm. important to me that he see that, that he's not a little Island all by himself. And then just, you know, being open to answering questions that he has. I do worry. Of course. I think we all have this worry that, you know, they're going to resent us for making, you know, it, for making that choice for him. Like I made a big choice for him. I decided that he wasn't going to have a father. He has a donor, you know, he, he has biological father somewhere out there, but I made that choice for him. And I, I guess I do worry a little bit that he may resent that choice, but I hope that, you know, we're able to work through any issues or, um, problems that he has. Um, and from what I'm hearing from other moms who have older children, um, it's still been a positive experience and their children have understood. I have used an open ID donor. So when he is 18, we are able to contact the sperm bank for information on the donor. Um, so there is the possibility that if he wanted to, he could meet the donor when he's 18. And that was a very uh, specific choice. So when we we're talking back about choosing a donor, um, an open ID donor was a definite must. There was an anonymous donor was not a consideration for me either. I wanted to him to be able to do that. Um, and then he does have like, this is a whole other topic, but he has um, donor siblings as well. So other families who've used the same sperm donor as I have. Mm, um, yeah. and we've been able to have contact with several of them already. We've, yeah. We've met some. So, um, and it's, it's pretty cool, but oh, wow. whole other subject. So yeah. if he ever asked, does he have siblings? It's kind of yes. Right. Or how do you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. he has, he has half siblings. Um, a lot of people use the term diblings or donor siblings, and we have been lucky enough. I mean, obviously he's too young, so we've been yeah. lucky to meet a couple. Um, and it was a very positive experience. It's actually, it's really quite cool. So he has, that I know of, he has two in Florida, three in England, um, one in Alaska, one in Toronto, and 
in, I think only one in Ottawa. Wow. And to be able to know this on your part, do you accept that they're able to contact you? Do you, do you make it an option or you can also decline? Oh, absolutely. Um, if you are interested in finding donor siblings or other, you know, families who've used the same donor, it is a hundred percent a choice. Okay. Um, so through my sperm bank, Zytex, they have that option there. So the people that I have mentioned, we all met or connected through the sperm bank. Um, there are also a couple other individuals that have registered that I've reached out to, to say, Hey, I use the same donor. If you're interested in connecting, let me know. And I have not heard back from them. So you have some who have kind of taken that first step in that they're on the system, but they're not ready to, to connect and talk. Um, so I started a Facebook group. Um, it's a private group for just for these families who've used the same donor. So we've kind of connected and we chat every once in a while, share some pictures. Uh, we don't talk a lot. It's not something, you know, mm -hmm. that we're very active on, but it, it's really nice to have that option and to say, you know, just as questions come up, like, hey, is anyone else's child allergic to peanuts? Or does anyone else's child have um, a gluten intolerance? Um, because sometimes those mm -hmm. things are, you know, hereditary. So that's been pretty positive. And, and of course, it's, it's just plain cool to like, look at the kids and see if you can see those similarities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else you'd like to mention to mothers that you think would be helpful? Um, I think I guess one thing to say would just be that everyone's journey is different. Um, my journey was quite easy. I have some friends who I just consider warriors because they have been through the ringer. And I have other friends who are kind of in the middle, you know, it took, it took one IUI procedure for me. I got pregnant on the first shot. Um, I have friends that took on the second, friends took on the third. I have one who did several rounds of IUI and then moved to IVF. Um, so everyone's journey is different. Everyone has different supports and expectations and everyone is scared. I mean, it's a huge step to how to decide to have a child by yourself. There's a lot of doubt. I mean, as soon as you have your procedure for the first time and what, what did I do and how is this going to affect everything? Um, so it's, it's definitely um, as sure as I was that it was the right choice. I was scared. Um, mm -hmm. I was nervous about everything. And I think that, I think most women go through that. But one thing that really helped me and I encourage anyone thinking about it to really reach out either to an online community like our Facebook group, Single Mothers by Choice Canada, to ask those questions that you would like answers out, answers to, to, to get an idea of what it is like. And, you know, with current times, pandemic and all, some women who are used to don't have as much support really, really struggled. But connecting with a group, connecting with people in person you know, in non-COVID times, we would have meetups every month for my local group. And we've had, you know, women come who were not pregnant, did not have kids, but were thinking about it. So they came just to talk to us, just to ask questions and listen. And, you know, and this goes to 
single mothers who currently have children reaching out to your local community and finding in person as opposed to online friends as well who are going through the same thing as you is it's invaluable i do not think that i would have be in the position that i am that i would feel confident as a mother or confident in my decisions without these women in my life supporting me and cheering me on and listening to me vents and um encourage me um it's it's just been such a positive experience for me um and for them as well so where can listeners find more about your group any other helpful resources that you'd suggest Ma, so our facebook group is called single mothers by choice canada you can find us on facebook just searching we do our very best for privacy so we screen um, people before they come in it's not an open group there is a website uh, forum called singer single mothers by choice.org fantastic resource website um, for giving information uh, um, specifically a lot of it is us based so that's kind of where the canada part comes in mm -hmm. uh, for our group but um loads and loads of information and stories on there i'll just ask you one last question i asked everyone that comes on the podcast so we all know that being a mother um is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences keeping motherhood inspired what one thing um have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey hmm my son i mean when you look at that face like there's nothing like it right you just want to do your best and you know do better than yesterday and you know and and give them the world i guess i yeah it's probably the cop out easy answer but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've had that answer before yeah, <laughs> coming to me though um yeah it, it definitely it definitely is um them and 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 my village Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com slash episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>